there was a lot that went into that. So to try to keep it short, but it is a long story, is that I started studying Japanese when I was 12 years old. So quite many years before that, I, I had started developing my interest and passion for being in Japan. And after a few trips there in high school and college, I thought I want to be able to work there. And the next time that I go there, I want to be actually living there and not just a tourist. So it took me some years. I started out my career in the United States. I was working first in investment banking uh, as an analyst for two and a half years across two offices, but I, I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, and then San Francisco. And then from there, I started my career in product management as my next job. And that gave me the opportunity in that first role in San Francisco to actually go to the Beijing office for the company for three months. Hello, everyone. This is Tracy, and I am your host on the Visible at Work podcast. Subscribe to hear a weekly dose of actionable insights from me with my decade experience working with multicultural teams across Europe, the Middle East, Africa, and North America. You also hear down-to-earth interviews with culturally diverse people who have succeeded to remain visible at work, irrespective of adjusting to different countries, work cultures, and people. You don't want to miss this. Hi, everyone. You're welcome to another episode of the Visible at Work podcast. As we have it a new season, we also have a new guest. And today's guest with me is David McNeil, he has been inspiring people all over the world to move abroad. Surprisingly as well, he has a podcast and is the host of a podcast, Expat Empire, and he's originally from the US and he's been living abroad since 2014. He first started living in Tokyo, then moved to Berlin, and now he's in Porto in Portugal since 2019. He has managed to make moves around the world and still finding local jobs in software product management. Um, while now he just recently left to work full time in Expert Empire and build his empire business and helping him move forward. So, and in total, David has traveled to over 60 countries so far and he hopes to travel to more. So, we'd love to hear David's story and his uh, work experience and everything moving abroad and also like moving from the U.S. to other parts of the world. So it's great to have you, David. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. Thank you, Tracy. It's a pleasure to be here. It's awesome. I, I read your story and I was just inspired and I said, wow, we, we usually have a lot of guests that move from their country to the U.S. or to Canada. And um, uh, it was surprising that the connection between me and you was from Carla, who is originally from the U.S., but moved uh, to the Middle East and other parts of the world. And you're also originally from the U.S., moving to other parts of the world. So it's great to hear another perspective. Thanks once again. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to share my stories and insights, and I hope it's helpful for you and your listeners. David, tell us like um, what made what was the shift for you in 2014 when you decided um, you were going to move to Tokyo? Was it supposed to be a holiday and then it turned into a move <laughs> abroad, or did you actually have that plan in 2014 to move to Tokyo? Uh, there was a lot that went into that. So to try to keep it short, but it is a long story, is that I started studying Japanese when I was 12 years old. So. Quite many years before that, I, I had started developing my interest and passion for being in Japan. And after a few trips there in high school and college, I thought I want to be able to work there. And the next time that I go there, I want to be actually living there and not just a tourist. 
So it took me some years. I started out my career in the United States. I was working first in investment banking uh, as an analyst for two and a half years across two offices, but I, I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, and then San Francisco. And then from there, I started my career in product management as my next job. And that gave me the opportunity in that first role in San Francisco to actually go to the Beijing office for the company for three months. So I came back from that really excited again to try to get abroad. I got laid off from that job, but I thought, okay, I still want to go abroad. How can I make that happen? And that's when I started interviewing for positions in China and Japan. And I managed to get one in Japan some months later. And that's, that's why I left in 2014. Wow, that is amazing. It's so interesting, you know, just that connection between um, learning uh, how to speak uh, the language at 12, just having that interest, and then, you know, getting to work as an investment banker and then going to uh, the office uh, in Asia. So mm -hmm. that connection, like, how did that feel for you before you eventually left and then uh, got a job in as a product manager? Yeah, uh, working with... Uh... I don't know, working at, let's say, coming out of university and starting my career, I thought I, of course, wanted to be in Japan first, if not just abroad in general. Yeah. But I'd also, you know, I tried to get to Japan and didn't work at first. And so I thought, and actually based on some advice that one of the interviewers gave me was start your career in the U.S., get that core U.S.-based experience and see how you can leverage that in an international context. So it was always in the back of my mind, but when uh, when I had the opportunity to go to Beijing with that company in San Francisco, I thought this is, you know, maybe China's the future for me, but at least I'm having my opportunity to go abroad. And I was so excited. I loved it. And then, of course, that job didn't work out, but I'm glad that I had that experience and it really reignited that flame, you know, that fire inside me to yeah. try to be abroad. And and I'm I'm fortunate and thankful that it all kind of started with with Tokyo and being that I had that interest in being Japan already for 14 years from when I was 12 to when I was 26, I finally made it. Mm -hmm. It was just an incredible experience to be back in Tokyo and to be living there now. Yeah. Wow. That, that is so great. And I know you also have the book, The Passport to uh, Japan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just interesting just being able to put that in a book to help other people that want to um, move abroad. And I like when you mentioned um, how the interviewer mentioned that you should have that grounded U.S. experience. Um, because like when it comes to technology and other, I know there are so many parts of the world, especially in Asia, that are really advanced. Um, but there are also some unique experiences that come with um, being in maybe the tech space or just being in San Francisco in the U.S. and having a feel of uh, working on certain global brands that they want you to bring that expertise to them. So um, what was the unique selling factor for you um, with your work experience now getting into PM, being a PM uh, and now moving to Asia and then moving to Berlin? I know there are lots of startups in Europe that is really rising now, um, but what was that unique thing for you that you were able to sell um, as your skill set? Yeah, I had to figure that out along the way. So when I first started out, I was thinking maybe if I just study business in general, but also tailor I work with, you know, Japanese as well in my university, then I thought if I do that double major, then that would be great because I have something that I can add on top of my Japanese language abilities and my cultural understanding. I think what I saw a lot of my peers doing 
uh, in the Japanese program is perhaps just studying Japanese. And while I think that's fine, uh, you know, it's great if that's their passion. I think the challenge there is to be able to stand out from the crowd. So it doesn't really matter what language it is, but if you just think about it conceptually, if you are a foreigner that uh, happens to speak the local tongue, that's great, but it, it's not any better than them hiring a local person, which is not only going to be probably a better cultural fit, you know, uh, they're not going to have to sponsor a visa, they're not going to have to bring that person over. So I wanted to have something that was a bit differentiated that I could bring to the table. And uh, it started with the idea of international business, then I decided to specialize into finance. And um, so coming from that, I was able to then start my career in investment banking, get a lot of experience doing Excel modeling, building PowerPoint presentations, working with those large companies. And I was then able to leverage that into product management because they were looking at the gaming company that I was applying for, particularly the, and, and those types of roles. They're looking for people who are very hands-on with the numbers and the analysis. Yeah. So because I had that from banking, even though it's a totally different field, I was able to bring that Excel and analytics and type of understanding, not, not from companies, but being able to apply them to users at that point. So it was a great way for me to lever leverage my skills into, uh, into a career in product management. And then from there, once I had one year of experience already, the job actually that I found in Japan that was the way that I got there in 2014 was uh, the hiring manager was looking for someone that had some experience working on games and to do gamification and those things. So it's, it's easy to say, oh, look at this you know, path and this story, but it, it's not that I had planned it from the beginning, to be totally honest. It kind of worked out and I'm thankful that it, that it did. But looking back, I can see how the pieces kind of click together. But in the, yeah. in the time where it happened, it was, you know, uh, I, I had, yeah, to be totally clear, I've had a lot of rejections um, throughout my career trying to get from one country to another. It takes a lot of perseverance, a lot of persistence. Um, but somehow I'm wired that way and I just keep going after it until I can find <laughs> something, hopefully some door that opens. So. That's yeah. how I've done it. I think it's what really, it's the unique trait that really connects uh, every one of us and also listeners on the podcast where, uh, because you know that your uh, your career really fuels your lifestyle. And although the road is not like, it's not straight cut, it's not, you know, clear cut, but just that resilience of being able to, you know, uproot yourself from your roots and experience something else. You're like, if I could do that, I could do anything like I can't get that job. I can't get that opportunity. So um, it really fills everything else that we do. And now speaking of Berlin, um, so you spent more time in Berlin and then before moving to Portugal, what would you say was the unique thing or similarities that you found between like Tokyo, Berlin and then in Portugal right now? Uh, from a work career perspective, I found I mean, I found some similarities and some differences. So the good news about a job like product management and a lot of these skill sets that you can utilize in a technology you know, software company is that they're quite applicable. And I was able to transfer those skills quite well. So I think product management is a core set of skills that then you can apply in so many different contexts. So I was able to do that across countries, but also across software verticals. So I did um, some work in ad tech. I did some work in social networking. In Japan, I was working on a digital, like connected fitness product, let's say. Um, 
I've worked in relocation products. I've worked, yeah, basically games, as I mentioned as well, in a couple of companies. So I've been able to leverage those skill sets in a lot of different contexts. And I think that's a great way to go about it. So people that are listening, that are thinking about trying to do this, look at what you're doing right now or the skill sets you could add to what you're already doing that would be interesting to companies in a foreign context. And of course, my background is working with tech companies, which is not always easy to do, but I can say that there are a lot of companies that are startups that are either moving to foreign countries from the US, for example, or other countries, or they're starting in those local countries. And typically they operate in English and not always, um, you have to find the right opportunity. But if you can take, if you can take that experience from somewhere else with those skill sets, with your native English abilities, for example, then maybe that will open some doors for you. So I think that can be an easier route than trying to get straight into a very traditional company in, in whatever country you're trying to go to. So for me, I was trying to go for those places that were looking for the skills that I had and my English speaking ability. Hmm, yeah, that's true. And I like how you like you keep mentioning leveraging your skill sets because sometimes some things come easily to us. We do it every day or we've done it for a long time. We don't really count that as, okay, yes, this is a skill set that I have. But like if we really take that time to sit back and see some of the skill sets, like you said, in the context. Um, so not really skill sets that we like to use or skill sets that come easily to us. Um, we have varied skill sets, but in the context of the country that you're relocating to and maybe also the industry, that could also help. Uh, you to quickly find uh, local jobs or opportunities and you know like with uh, tech startups that are really scrappy where they really want somebody that can roll up their sleeves and get the job <laughs> done if you're able to do that and show that you're able to do that at least you can get that conversation going and even if they they might not need you they might know other you know tech startups that might be in need of somebody like you so I, 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 I totally agree with that so now, um, now coming into Expert Empire, um, you started this like a hobby, like a side thing, you know, really helping people out. And now you decided to take it full time. Um, how, like, how did you get to that point where you made that decision? Yeah, another <laughs> long winding road for me. Um, I did start it about two and a half years ago when I was in Berlin. And I had this feeling of not only wanting to be more entrepreneurial in my career, but also I took a step back and we just talked about skill sets, right? And I thought I have these great product management skill sets that I've developed over the last seven years. But on the other hand, if I take a bigger step back and really look at the full picture, the thing that's been driving me is living abroad. I mean, I guess that's maybe obvious as you go through my story, but in a way it took me thinking about what is the what is my real value add and what am I really passionate about? So mm -hmm. for me, it was, okay, I've done product management, I've done it in all of these different areas, but that is also what um, I pursued to try to get abroad. So it's kind of like, I see the, that I've seen all these international contexts, I've relocated multiple times, and now I can kind of draw some parallels, some comparisons, and also that expertise and the, the network that I've built abroad. So. I thought, how can I turn that into something more entrepreneurial? And that started with, as you mentioned, the Passport to Working in Japan book, which was what I wanted to read when I wanted to get to Japan when I was a high school or college, you know? It was, uh, I did so much research. I was looking for mentors. I was looking for ways that I could get to Japan, so many different programs. And the 
information was scattered all over the internet. And so I just thought, I've learned all of this stuff over the last two decades. Why don't I just put that in a book and put that online along with the website, expatempire.com, and just try to have something there to help people and eventually to become a mentor for people who want to move to Japan. And then even broader, it became, of course, moving to other countries as well. So um, it's grown from just the book and the website to also Expat Empire podcast, like you mentioned, where I talk to expats about their uh, challenges abroad. So I try to really draw the actionable advice for people who want to move abroad. Yeah. Um, some blog posts, also a meetup group here in Porto. But on top of that, and most importantly, is individualized consulting services. So helping people to move from whatever country they want to move to, to yeah. whatever country they want to move to. Um, so from that perspective, I really try to have a very honest and you know open conversation with my clients and be able to help them however best I can in their unique situation. So for me, it was in terms of turning that into now this full-time uh, situation, it was yet again, uh, another layoff that I thought, okay, now is my time to try. And I mean, it was coming from the current situation, budget cuts, everything that a lot of companies and people are going through right now. But I decided to take that as an opportunity to move forward try to do something different, do something on my own for myself. And yeah, that's what brings me here just in terms of like my career and everything today and trying to, uh, yeah, leverage the experience and network that I've built over the last almost decade by now. Yeah, interesting. And sometimes this is something that we like to do or we've, we've always wanted to do, but we just needed to be pushed off the cliff <laughs> to, do, yes. to do it. Um, so I can totally relate. I think we have similar stories on starting the podcast and all of that until like I moved personally and started getting questions. Then I decided, okay, you know what? I, I would just start the podcast. So I can yeah. um, relate to that. And in your busy schedule with um, changing countries, because of course there's so many moving parts with um, deciding what next country you want to go to and then getting a role and then doing the interview, doing the paperwork and all the process. How were you able to travel to 60 countries? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, that's a good question. So it's, it's just been a bit here, a bit there, but I guess some of the main pieces are, so when I was in university, I also did a semester at the National University of Singapore. Okay. And so when I was at there, we were, you know, as the, the students abroad, we were traveling a lot. So even if it might be, I mean, I don't pick, I don't add the countries that I just go to the, through the airport, for example, but it's not like I've, you know, maybe I've spent a couple of days in, in a city or something like that. So, um, but yeah, I saw a lot of countries then. I also took, after I got laid off in San Francisco, coming back from China, I mentioned that I found, I was interviewing for jobs and found the one in Japan but I was actually taking those interviews while I was traveling around Europe. So I was in Western Europe and I was doing the train travel uh, for nine weeks to 19 cities, I think it was. And while I was doing that and trying to have as much fun as I could, I also was like, this is my time away from San Francisco. I'm between jobs right now. I wanna find something new, but this is my, my dedicated time to try to apply for jobs in China and Japan. Yeah. So. I've just kind of tried to take every um, every week or two weeks or whatever I have between jobs or take those opportunities, those setbacks and try to turn them into something positive. 
And um, yeah, those are some ways. Another one was when I was in Berlin, I was at the com last company I was working for there. I was able to work from home. And as a result, uh, one week per month for quite some months, I was doing like that one week in a different country. So I was taking flights from Berlin to go like to Eastern Europe and things like that. So it's, uh, it's added up a lot over the years, but um, maybe those are kind of the big things I could point to that were dedicated blocks of time where I was able to see a lot of countries. Yeah, that is so cool. And, and the truth is in our adult life, like when responsibilities come, you never, like you might not even have that time to do it. So I like how you were able to spin in the midst of interview for jobs, doing things, just taking out that time because you don't know when next you'll have that time to go on a journey like that. So that that's pretty interesting. <laughs> Thank you. I, I would recommend for folks that are listening that are interested in doing the same to, of course, see if they can have a week in another country or you know work from home, work, work from another place, be remote. But also, if you ever have time between jobs, don't feel like you have to start the next job immediately. Even if you get one a week, two weeks, four weeks, however far you can push it off, especially because you know that job's coming, so you don't have to worry quite as much about your finances, then just make as much use of that time as possible. When I when I switched from banking to um, to the product first product management job in San Francisco, I think I had two weeks between jobs. And after like two days, then I left on my trip and I came back two days before I started. I mean, it was a week and a half or something, but it I really was like, let me use this time to travel. So I tried to take every little piece of time that I could yeah. uh, to be able to make those trips too. Yeah, and you come back definitely refreshed. Um, there's nothing like just taking your head out of like your usual space. And, um, you know, with working from home now and working remote, I think a lot more companies would now embrace, okay, so long as you do the work, you turn in your work, I don't care if you're in Tokyo mm -hmm. or you're anywhere else, just make sure like when we have meetings, just show up. Um, so right. it will be interesting to see what 2020, um, how 2021 will play out with uh, careers, um, working abroad and what careers abroad would look like. So maybe lots of people would work with, I think that's already happening where lots of people work on global teams, but you might not be in that country. Um, that's how we started for me. So. You might not be in that country, but like all your teammates are from different parts of the world or in in one country. And then maybe you could just go for a retreat, come back. You never know. <laughs> exactly. Let's see yeah. what's possible. And I'm sure, you know, both of us and many others as well are out there to help people to make these decisions and figure out what works. So, yeah, def you know, there's a lot on the Internet. There's a lot of podcasts and a lot of people there that have done it before and are willing to help. So. Let's, uh, let's try to make some change. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So David, any final words? Um, no, wait, before I say final words. Um, so what have you done? Because I know you, you, like, you seem very, very spontaneous with all the things you've, you've mentioned and all your travels. <laughs> and, and I know right now, like people are not traveling as much, but what have you done new recently? Tell us. Oh, what have I done new recently? Well, uh, yeah, so I moved here to, Porto, Portugal in November of 2019. So just over a year now. And um, I actually moved to a small city. I mean, my wife and I, so I should say we moved to a small city called Matosinhos, which is just outside of Porto, but it's on the beach. Um, I mean, 
a short walk at least. Uh, so that's been amazing, like in terms of a change of life, as you can see, going from Tokyo to Berlin to now a small, very local beach town. It's a big change in, in our lives, but it's wonderful. We really love it here. And so for me, I was seeing all these surfers out on the waves every day, you know, as I was walking on, uh, alongside the beach. And this past summer, I started taking a couple lessons. So I'm not going to say I'm any good, <laughs> but it is something new. And I thought uh, I actually tried it 10 years ago, just uh, while I was in, on the uh, trip coming outside of Singapore. I was in Bali and I tried it and I wasn't a big fan of it. I just tried it one afternoon. I was like, uh, it's not for me. And I never tried it again until this past year. And I really enjoyed it. And I, I took first uh, four lesson pack because I thought I don't want to just do one lesson. Maybe I hate it, <laughs> but I need to at least give it a good shot. And then I bought another four lesson pack. So I've only done eight lessons, but I was getting up on the board and learning some of the no, no tricks or anything, but learning how to balance and I hope to get back up there. Yeah. Next summer, because it's pretty, pretty cold right now, <laughs> at least <Yeah>. in the water. <laughs> yes. Yes. That, that is so interesting to hear. And um, so now we get to the final words. Um, what would you say in terms of words of encouragement to somebody really um, making plans in the new year to new year, new beginning, and they really have plans. Um, how, what would you say would be, so I would ask those final words in two, it will be a two prong question. So the first question would be, how much time should they give themselves if they're planning um, to move abroad? It could be for family or for work, but of course work matters because when you get there, you have to start to earn a living. So how much time should they give themselves so they don't put themselves under so much pressure? And then finally, like any last words in terms of words of advice, yeah. Hmm. So in terms of the timing, I typically tell my clients at least six months in advance that they should be starting to plan these things. And perhaps, well, I don't know, that probably still works on a uh, work career focused perspective as well, because even if you think about it in terms of you have to start, you know, putting your resume together or updating it, your cover letters, you have to find the opportunities, apply, then you have to hopefully get some interviews, move through the process, which I know for product managers and many people in technology, it takes quite a while. There's a lot of rounds of the interviews. There's take-home assignments. There's presentations. Of course, they could fly you out potentially in, in a more normal situation, let's say. So all of that happens. You get the offer, then you negotiate. Then you have to worry about getting the visa, which often you have to do before you move to the country, though not always. And uh, so it's a long process. I would say at least six months to be safe. And if you want to start looking earlier, then that's even better just to put, fully put yourself out there. But it could be quicker as well. I mean, if you find that perfect opportunity at the first go and then you're able to quickly get a visa, then maybe it's, you know, three, four months. But I think it's good to set your expectations in the six plus, you know, six to 12 month range just to give yourself that feeling that you really need to buckle down and, and put some effort in and it's going to take some time. But I think in terms of words of advice, um, you know, there's lots of ups and downs of this whole thing. So I wouldn't, uh, you know, it's not all going to be roses, but I think I say that as words of advice and encouragement because I've been through a lot of tough stuff. I'm sure you have too, and everyone who's been abroad. So if you're finding it difficult to adjust, or if you're finding it difficult to find the right opportunity, just know that we've all been there and just keep going because I think you owe it to yourself to see if you can make this stuff happen. And there's 
you know, maybe it's not your ideal country or your ideal job or your, you know, ideal situation. But if you are passionate about getting abroad, there's going to be a way that you can do it. Maybe it's through a study visa at first to get your foot, you know, in the country, then you can make those connections and find the job. Or maybe it's an internship, or it could be, um, you know, working as a nanny or, you know, there, uh, English teaching, there's all kinds of different stuff that you can do. So if you're, if you're passionate about getting abroad or to getting to one country, just keep an open mind, look for any opportunity that can help you start that next part of your career and your life there. And then from there, you can leverage your knowledge of the culture, the language, the connections that you make there, your network, and hopefully be able to build an even you know, more exciting uh, life and career for you if that's what you're looking for. Wow, I'm speechless. Thank you, David. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope so. I, <laughs> I, I hope it's not too, uh, I don't want to make it sound too negative, but, but, I, but I do want to be real about, you know, there are challenges, but also opportunities. And if you're not finding the right one yet, like for me, I, I'll just give one a quick example. I was so passionate about being in Tokyo and I was looking for my next opportunity there after my first job was kind of on the rocks and I wasn't sure if my contract would be renewed. And I applied to 50 jobs, literally 50 jobs I kept track. And I got close to getting to, to an offer a few times. And then I got an offer and it was reneged on by the company. And it just didn't feel like it was going to work so well for me. And I decided, okay, what about Berlin? Because I'd heard many great things about it. I'd traveled there on my, my trip across Europe. And I reached out to my network. And the very first company that I applied to through my network gave me an offer. And that was after 50 tries in Japan for my second, you know, for the second job. And so all I can say is like, you never know, you know, maybe it changes uh, the country or the city or the type of work that you want to do. And there's so many factors that all you can do is just keep putting yourself out there and having an open mind and, you know, going after it, because if that's your passion, then you should definitely pursue it. Yeah, that's so true. That is so true. Thank you, David, for giving a refreshing, really down-to-earth advice. We we love to keep it real, and we love guests that keep it real. So we're so excited <laughs> that you, you were able to share. And just like David has said, you know, you have to just keep going on, put yourself out there. And as we always say every week, communication is your superpower to remain visible at work. And I will see you next week. If you have enjoyed this episode or any of our past episodes on the Visible at Work podcast, I need a favor from you. Just do it right now. Don't procrastinate. Visit us on uh, visibleatwork.com forward slash podcast or check out iTunes and leave a review. Um, just leave a, a truthful review of whichever episode you really enjoyed, what you learned from the episode, um, or what you want us to do more of. We really want to make it more interactive in the new year. would enjoy um, reading your review and I'm looking forward to reading those reviews. So please um, just do that. Do it now. Do it now. Thank you. In the midst of all of this, if you can't be the light, then chase the light. Remember, communication is your superpower to remain visible at work. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.